Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that is a ray of humanity in an otherwise dark and dank rat's nest. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you wondrous example of how a human should behave in any and all situations. How the hell are you, sir? Everything still kind of hurts, but I'm here. Yeah, it's like a week-long hangover that just won't subside. That being said, I'm uh, I'm on the, the camp of moral victories, and there's a lot to be taken away, even in a loss. We always know that, but even more so in a loss under those circumstances. So it's been a rough week, but you know what? I've, I think that there's, uh, there's sunshine on the horizon. Yeah, there's reason to be optimistic. Like, you know, moral victories, say what you will about them. The movie Rocky is still good, and it's all about a moral victory. Like, he, he lost, got a, I mean, just got beat, took the L. But you know what? You felt uplifted at the end of it. And that's kind of how I felt at the end of this game. Yeah. Are you going to tell me that Rocky's not a good movie? Is that what you're saying? I mean, like Creed won. I like Creed. And he loses in that one. Moral victory. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's sunshine. Like, you know, just because I'm encouraged by a close loss at Penn State by a team that's showing improvement doesn't mean I'm resetting the Michigan standard and settling for mediocrity here. Oh my gosh, we'll get into that. But like, yeah, it's like the Vietnam War, moral victory. Did we come home with the W? No, but there's a lot to be taken away from our performance in Vietnam. <laughs> we showed up well on foreign soil, much like Happy Valley, and performed, you know, admirably, and then we bounced. 
<laughs> oh man. But uh, that being said, let's get into what we saw at Penn State a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to start off with is the slow starts for Michigan. They have doomed us in a lot of our losses. Get this stat. In Michigan's last five losses, the defense has given up 21 points, 24 points, 13, 28, and 21 points in the first half. We've trailed in the half in every one of those contests. Credit to Michael Spath uh, for getting that uh, statistic right there, but I think that is pretty damning. Yeah, I mean, it's just glaring that when the unit we lean on for most of the season falls apart in the biggest games when we need them the most. And it was more... I don't think it was any more evident than in the Ohio State game last year about how much of a problem this was when the Buckeyes marched out to just a commanding lead. Michigan answered back for a little bit in the second half, just got the doors blown off. And it's kind of been the same thing from Notre Dame last year to Penn State this year. Just the defense just falling apart and not waking up, not coming to play. Yeah, no, I, I agree. 39 points should be enough to win you most games and uh, 21 points, maybe not. But I mean, if Michigan, if it were 21-21, if we don't give up that 53-yard or any of the ones we gave up to Hamler, we're in a position to win it there at the end with just a field goal rather than uh, needing to go on fourth down looking for that touchdown. Um, and, you know, it just came up a little bit short on offense, but I'm very impressed with what I saw um, you go down 14 nothing in the first, uh, you're 21 nothing in the second. You score that final touchdown there uh, with 7.22 left in the – or excuse me, 2.50 left in the half, which, you know, a lot of us were kind of moaning and groaning like, ah, what's the big deal? They're going to come out and lay it on us. But that kind of set the tone, that touchdown before the half. Yeah, Michigan really took command of the game from that moment until Penn State scored again. And it was just – it was surprising. It's the first time we've ever seen a Michigan team be that resilient against elite competition. They did it last season against Northwestern, trailing 17 nothing. But it, I'm sorry, Evanston's not the kind of um, just atmosphere that Happy Valley is, especially in a whiteout. No, there's nothing like that, honestly. Maybe a Death Valley down in, in LSU that's that can compare the Autzen Zoo in Oregon is pretty rowdy but that's one of the most difficult places you're ever going to play it's as loud as a freaking jet engine um, and they I mean just credit to them not a ton of false start penalties not a lot of pre-snap issues uh, right out of the gates yeah and that's when it was at the absolute loudest um, but they they performed well when they were down in the student section the largest part of the stadium loudest part of the stadium excuse me and uh, the ability to fight in those conditions, um, that is encouraging. And outplayed them for three quarters of the game. And in the second half, they outplayed them the entire second half, except for one 53-yarder to, to Hamler, which shouldn't even have been allowed because of a penalty on Levert Hill that where their uh, receiver fell down and it just looked like Levert Hill took him down. I don't want to get into it, though. Yeah, the officiating was questionable at best at times. And this is what we've wanted to see from Michigan's offense all year. Michigan had 41 passing attempts, 41 rushing attempts, controlled the clock, limited the mistakes and miscues, only had one turnover. Granted, it was a bad Shea Patterson throw, but he more than answered for that in the third and fourth quarter especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we outpassed them 276 to 182. We outrushed them. Uh, what was it? 141 Rush. to 101. Yeah, I mean, we, we beat them in every offensive category that you could have except penalties. So you've got to feel like, man, were we really close to that game? And just looking at how close we really were to taking that one, it definitely hurts. But uh, I, I bought into Harbaugh. You and I both were tweeting about it during the game, the Our Finest Hour. And a lot of people were moaning and groaning about that. But 
it, it maybe was Michigan's finest hour, and I'm not going to put it on him for coming up just short in, in that environment. I mean, that is a tough place to come away with a victory. God forbid he instills some confidence into his players. <laughs> like, no, this was a – I hope this is a turn-the-corner type of game. Like, we're getting to the good part of this season. You know, maybe just like you see in some NFL teams, like, like even the Mike – Great and mighty Aaron Rodgers struggles with offensive installs till halfway through the season. Maybe this offensive install is just taking some time to get used to, and players, especially Shea Patterson, is finally starting to feel comfortable and confident within the system. I think so, and I think that the run game and them leaning on that a little bit more and the offensive lines starting to come together. Offensive lines improved week in and week out since Wisconsin. I mean, I think that's unquestionable. They had a great game. And uh, now you've got a two-headed attack in Haskins and Charbonnet. That helps out Patterson a lot. And this was Patterson, one of his best games. Didn't quite get over 300, which I can't believe hasn't happened yet. Had the one bad, bad pick, uh, but it looked like there was some miscommunication on that. Didn't end up, and, and they did score on that. So that was that was a bad play for us. But the rest of the game, Shea Patterson looked locked in, had command of that offense. And, I mean, you're starting to see what this offense could be. And it's not that different than the offense last year. It's just got some RPO sprinkled in. Yeah, that's about it. The whole speed and space thing is it's kind of there. You can see it. It's just the up-tempo is more prevalent. They actually know how to run kind of a hurry-up offense. And when this thing's humming, though, it's beautiful to watch, especially when you get the running backs involved. You touched on Haskins and Charbonnet shedding tacklers the offensive line really traveled for this game and looked like a completely different unit from what we saw in madison if that offense showed up and you got that same offensive performance we'll forget the defense for now what's the score in madison do we win it i think so i i think there's a good chance if that offense shows up we could score we outscored them in the second half i'm just saying yeah, yeah. I mean, we really did. And if you're able to keep the ball out of Taylor's hands a little bit, maybe they don't put up as much in the first half. And hey, they wouldn't put up as much in the first half. They had, a, they had time of possession in Madison. So and we've been waiting to see that offense. And uh, I mean, I'm not one necessarily for moral victories generally. But in this instance, yeah, I'm going with the Rocky Vietnam War. You know, that's that's where I'm at right here. I'm taking a moral victory in that because of where we were at. And because of how bad things look there for a minute, at least you see a competent football team now. Yes, and we want the program to be better and perpetually churning out third place Big Ten East finishes in the grand scheme is unacceptable. You bet your ass it is. But we cannot change all that by being upset with this team after a quality performance. After what happened in Madison, it should have become clear this team was not going to absolve the sins of previous season shortcomings. Yeah, and I mean, people saying like, oh, well, look what Chris, Chris Peterson has done. Look at what Chris Peterson has to face and look at our schedule on the road at Madison. You get Notre Dame for one of your non-conference opponents. You got to go at Penn State at night and Penn State's rolling right now. That was a good Penn State team. I, I don't think they're going to be able to hang with Ohio State. But that's a good Penn State team. I mean, you've got Michigan State. You've got Ohio State. I mean, it is a gauntlet. And it's just not reasonable to expect this team to just run the table every year. I mean, we're not built for that. We just don't have the program for that with the academic, um, you know, requirements that we have there with, with, like I said, with that schedule, it's just not realistic. I mean, yeah, we want to see more. Obviously we want, we want that big 10 championship, but this could still be a great season. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Every, I mean, not everything is on the table, but a lot is there to take. Not every season says it's going to be college football playoff. You have rivalry games, and you told me off air you summed it up great. Those are seasons in and of themselves. 
That's what matters the most. And yet it's hard to sell. Hey, come to Michigan, come play football here. Just ignore February and the months you're not playing because they're pretty miserable when they could go to Clemson and enjoy the sun. Like there are just some things they can't do. And being undefeated is just an unex- I mean, you can't expect that from this team. It's just so unreasonable. But playing the way they did against Penn State is something to hold your head up about. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, like you said, like, yeah, come to Clemson or come down to Florida where it's, you know, 89 degrees throughout the entire year. And our finals require you to just fill in the coloring book, even if you don't stay within the lines, passing grade. Like, yeah, there are no academic requirements in the SEC. So a better you know, measuring stick, I think for us is like Notre Dame, you know, which is fitting because that's who we've got this week. But I think that's a better measuring stick and they don't play a schedule like we do. Not now with Stanford and, and uh, USC being down. Yeah. The the one counter that always exists is how good Ohio State is and how close the schools are in proximity. Yeah. Proximity. Yes. Academic requirements. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. So yeah, Ohio State, I mean, that's who we want to measure ourselves against. And yeah, I mean, we'll get to that. But yeah, you have to find a way to beat them every now and again. And then I think people will probably ease up off of Harbaugh right now. But honestly, I feel like the general mood, I mean, there's a lot of him hawing of the fan base after that one. But generally, I think people seem to rally around this team a little more after that one. I think so too. And it's it's sad it took the Ronnie Bell drop pass to really unify a bunch of different areas and sects of this fan base. You know, sometimes, you know, we all come together when tragedies happen. It was really unfortunate what happened with Ronnie Bell dropping that pass and the game, but everyone's kind of like, let's go, let's get it together. When he catches that first pass on Saturday, we're all going to be screaming our heads off for him. Yeah, you absolutely need to. We are not here for any Ronnie Bell slander. I'm not here for any Shea Patterson slander. I'm not even here for any Jim Harbaugh slander after that one. I thought that they called a great game. Ronnie Bell, we're not even in the game without Ronnie Bell on that. He's been huge for us all year. He's going to be huge for us moving forward. I mean, he's a freshman. Um, Excuse me, he's a sophomore. Um, So we still got a couple years of Ronnie Bell. I mean, he's a big part of this team. And yeah, I mean, I, I just don't want to hear. Even Gaddis called a great game. If you wanna, if you wanna give anybody any grief in that, I could hear maybe a little bit of Don Brown. I don't know why Josh Metellus and, and Josh Uche are covering KJ Hamler fifty yards down the field. That that is a little, you know, perplexing. But yeah, Don Brown is definitely worthy of some criticism in this game. You know, it wasn't like an abhorrent game from him by any means, with only allowing sixteen yards in the third quarter, only allowing one touchdown in the second half. But we want to point to some coverage mistakes the first half and just allowing them to jump out to that lead. But it's not like we're going to shoulder the whole burden on them. We're nitpicking at this point. But no, Gaddis, Harbaugh, Patterson, all of them are exempt from just heavy criticism. Harbaugh came out, the team was fired up, and they've really rallied together post-Wisconsin. And not a lot of teams could have done that after that embarrassment. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. And uh, to rally and, and come that close there. And like you were saying, I mean, there's some things that are not on the table. I think you can probably say no Big Ten championship this year. But the whole reason that everyone, you know, gives James Franklin all that praise is the season he went 10-2 and two and went to the Rose Bowl just because of how the victories fell. He didn't win the Big Ten championship that year. Yeah, or did they win? They, they did. They did. They did. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they still had two losses. It was just how those losses fell. Correct. Yeah, they were. They started the season out two and two, and then ran the table all the way out, and that's how they made it there. But no, it's 
a lot is still like here for the taking. If Michigan beats Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, you say the season's a failure because of how you feel in the middle of it and because they lost on a drop pass at Happy Valley? Get out of here. Yeah, believe me, we're going to be in Ann Arbor for Ohio State. If we win that game, we're all going to be jumping up and down, spraying each other with bottles of champagne like we just won the Daytona 500. I can't imagine anyone being like, yeah, but remember Penn State? Over the roar of the crap. Give me a break. Yeah, we will go find Nate Lewis, and the three of us will just challenge anyone to a fight, meaning he will fight them, we will talk and hide behind. Correct. Yeah, that is the plan. <laughs> that is the plan. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, any other thoughts on this moral victory and kind of where this where we stand with the season? No, keep your head up. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to sing the praises, but keep your head up, face toward the sun. There's bright things on the horizon. There is. And if you are emailing, DMing, uh, saying anything negative to the players, you better be willing to back that up in person, you cowards. Yeah, don't hide behind blank avatars and fake names. No, just go say it to them. If you have something to say, let them know. I mean, they're only Division One athletes in Michigan. Yeah, I'm sure you can handle them, Connor Grady. I'm sure you could take Aiden Hutchinson and Ronnie Bell in a fight. Everything's fine. Yeah, he couldn't take Jacob McFlurry in a fight. McFlurry's put on some weight. I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah, you're not kidding. I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your boy. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into Notre Dame. Another huge game, another game at night. God, I hate waiting around all day for Michigan football. There are worse things. There are worse things. We'll be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are moving forward in this season. We've got a big one. Homecoming weekend. Halloween weekend, Notre Dame comes to the big house. I'm excited about this one, especially since we get a chance for revenge in a game that we probably should have had last year. Uh, Notre Dame is currently sitting there, uh, one loss to a very good Georgia team, very much still in the thick of it. Some things go their way. They could be in the playoff hunt. I don't necessarily see that happening without a conference championship, but let's get into this, my friend. What do you think about this Notre Dame matchup? It feels like a revenge game. This is the revenge tour condensed for 2019 and the team that really just set the tone last season in an abrupt way to start off the Shea Patterson tenure and let the bad taste in all of our mouths. I think you and I were really upset after this game last season. 
Yeah, I was uh, simply because they just came out really flat in this one and it, they didn't do anything until late in the game. Uh, honestly, Dylan McCaffrey gave them a little bit of a spark and they just look unprepared. And granted, once again, at night at Notre Dame, not an easy place to play. And Ward Manual should be slapped with the back of someone's hand for scheduling that to open the season where Alabama is playing like Wofford and stuff like enough with these. I'm, I'm over scheduling Notre Dame just because like there's no need for it. But that being said, I expect a better performance out of this team this year. Yeah, they're going to bounce back. I'm guarantee after last year's game, after the Penn State performance, Don Brown's going to have to have the defense come out firing. Having the home crowd behind you at night under the lights in the big house, there's no way this team doesn't come out juiced up. Oh my God, they better. And if you're there at that game and you've got old heads telling you to be quiet or shut down, you you give them the back of the hand too. I don't want any of that. Like we're never going to match, you know, Happy Valley as far as volume, but let's do our best people. We encourage optimism and elder abuse here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you, you, you've you been to a game with me. You've seen what I've done to the old people that sit in front of me. I shake them on the shoulders. I make sure that their blood pressure is still active. <laughs> It's fair. His might have spiked and he had to go into the hospital, but you were there for him. Yeah, I was like, I'll take you to the hospital if I send you there because I was shaking you too much and it sent you into cardiac arrest. That's fine. I will take you to the hospital if I send you there. Should be Aiden Hutchinson's <laughs> quote the rest of the season. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Your benevolence knows no bounds. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited about this one. We finally get one of these at home, one of these big ones at home. This is, you know, this is the second half of the season, not the the first half of the season that we wanted. And I know it's, you know, it doesn't break down like that. This It's more than halfway over. But a good way to look at this is this is another, it's a brand new season. You've got three rivalry games. Like we were saying earlier, these are seasons with in themselves. If you can win a huge game against Notre Dame at home, I mean, that's going to do wonders for your confidence moving forward against the, the real rivals after this. Yeah, it really sets the tone really lets you capitalize on this optimism we keep speaking of that we gained from the Penn State game. If Michigan comes out flat, then everybody's right. We're complete defeatists and just being happy losing games. So this team has to come out and really continue what they started in the fourth quarter at Penn State. Yeah, I'll give you one thing that I'm concerned about and one thing that I'm optimistic about here. My concern is what you just said, coming out flat after emotional loss on the road, and then having to get yourself back up, knowing the Big Ten is probably off the table for you. you got to get back up the next week against a team coming off a bye, and you cannot come out flat in this game. You just cannot. you got to come out. The defense cannot allow them to get into a hole in this game. Yeah, I'm completely the same with you. That is my biggest concern. Like You can't come out and just let them run a couple wrinkles they've put in over the bye week and – Take advantage. Go up 14 nothing in the first quarter or something like that because it's just you keep putting yourself in these holes. Eventually there's insurmountable as we found out last week and we found out time and time again. You can't do it. If this game's just 0-0 at halftime, we're going to feel so good about this. Oh, yeah. If it's 0-0 at halftime, we have proven to be a second-half team. We'll win by 38 if we're down, if it's 0-0 at the half. So, And one thing I feel optimistic about is Notre Dame, outside of Georgia, has not played that tough of a schedule. They played Virginia, and they beat them in a tight one after that Georgia game. Kind of, you know, emotions maybe playing into that. Uh, Virginia's no longer ranked, I don't believe. So 
you know, take that as you will. But Notre Dame defense is the number 41 total defense and the number 64 rush defense. They're giving up four yards a rush. And now we're a team that's starting to get an identity running the football. I, I think that there's an area uh, to be exploited there. I think so as well. And if Michigan can establish the run that opens up the play actions, the quick screens, and just everything else across the middle of the field when you got to drop an extra man down into the box, especially the way Charbonnet and Haskins have been playing so far. I mean, this is great news seeing somebody that can't stop the run come into the big house. Yeah, I like it. And I mean, on the ground and through the air, their offense doesn't necessarily scare me. Their leading rusher is Tony Jones, who I only know from the movie Snatch. And I mean, he's averaging seven yards a carry, but I mean, a lot of that is coming in big chunks against lesser opponents. He didn't do anything against Georgia. Um, and Ian Book's their second leading rusher. And I mean, he's having a, a pretty good season, not a great season. So on offense, they don't necessarily scare me. They're balanced. This is a very balanced offense. It is. I'm a big fan of American theologian Tony Jones. Actually, I'm kidding. I just Googled it to see what job would pop up so I could make a joke, but it's a real person, and being an American theologian makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) I'm kind of an Ian Book fan. I think he's more than serviceable, better than the Jack Cones of the world. I think he can make plays when he needs to. He should have started the entire game last year, not Brandon Wimbush. He was always better, but you know how controversies can be there. So... I think the biggest thing is just getting the pressure on him. Last year, they were able to run the ball down our throats. And this year, it's going to be imperative that Michigan just stop that and get into him so he can't have the time to set in the pocket. And I think they'll be able to since they have had trouble establishing the run this season. Yeah, they have. And they really did against Georgia, too, the best defense that they've faced. Uh, Tony Jones ran for 21 yards. Ian Book had to throw the ball 47 times, and he had two picks. The only picks that he had all year came against Georgia. So against the best defense that they've had, they they really struggled. And this will be the second best defense that they've seen, depending on how you look at it. And, uh, you know, Don Brown doesn't get the extra week like they get to prepare for us. But that being said, Notre Dame isn't out there doing anything with like crazy elite athletes. They don't have a KJ Hamler. Uh, they don't have a JK Dobbins at running back. They certainly don't have a Jonathan Taylor. There's no like one player. I mean, I'd say Ian Book's probably the player you got a game plan around in this. Do you agree? I absolutely do. He's their one guy that stands out. There's no Dexter Williams out there to really make us pay. And you keep pointing out they've played one elite team and they have struggled mightily. Penn State was number four in rushing defense and Michigan was able to establish an identity against them. I really think they'll be able to do so against Notre Dame, thus keeping the ball out of Book's hands even more. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as far as re- receiving options, Chase Claypool's their leading receiver. He's got 394, four touches, and their tight end uh, could be a problem against our linebackers in coverage. Uh, Cole Komet, he looks like he's pretty solid, but I mean, like like we were saying, nobody's super elite. No KJ Hamlers. I don't expect any huge, huge plays. And if you can limit huge plays in this, you know, anything over 30 yards, I really like our chances. You've got to eliminate, you know, those those big home run balls. And if you can and you're forcing them to dink and dunk it down the field, I really like our defense's chances in this. I do as well. And not to mention their defense has lost a bunch from the front seven last year. Was it Jerry Tillery last year that was just eating Mm -hmm. everybody alive? Their front seven last year was elite of the elite. And hence why they made the playoff. So they're gone. So once again, it's just really been devastating for them to get the run going. I'm, I'm worried at how much I feel comfortable favoring Michigan heading into this matchup. 
No, I'm with you, man. Uh, line came out at four and a half. It's dropped to Michigan favored by one, which is surprising, um, you know, being as how Michigan has just been kind of an afterthought and people are, you know, the national media laughing at them, but all of a sudden they're favored by one. So, I mean, here we stand with, uh, you know, a very good opponent on the table and people are still kind of looking at Michigan. I think maybe that that game against Penn State maybe changed the national perception a little bit based on the Vegas lines and kind of some of the predictions and the ways people are talking about this game. It was definitely eye-opening to a lot of people outside the bubble of conversations we find ourselves privy to. And it's kind of refreshing to see that people are giving this team respect and the world's actually not on fire. It's not. And like, I mean, obviously we're Michigan fans. So every week, I mean, in my veins, I want to win, but I want this win. I mean, just to shut people up for a week, if nothing else, um, to shut up the, the media, to shut up the Paul Feinbaums in the world who are just feasting on Michigan's, you know, and it's not even a lost season yet, but they're just feasting on it because it's Michigan, because we're a huge program. I think we get more crap than even Texas or USC, who are also, you know, not having the most impressive seasons ever either and yeah they just they, we're just like an easy target and i would love to see them shut up and here's a stage for it to happen and no better place than at the big house under the lights yeah michigan caught some crap for beating iowa 10 to 3 meanwhile texas needed every second of the game to beat kansas this past week kansas kansas is awful yeah literally like kansas like it's less mild <laughs> and i can't say anything else to you it's kansas you gave up 47 points to Kansas. Like, I am sorry. Like, that is not in any way impressive. Illinois is better than Kansas. Yeah. Illinois is better than Kansas. And that's saying yeah. Illinois somehow beat Wisconsin last week. They did. They did. So uh, let's get some predictions and then, uh, you know, we'll get to that. We'll talk about a little bit of what we saw around the Big Ten. You got a prediction for this one, brother? I'm going to take Michigan 31 to 20. I think you build on the momentum from last last week. I think the offense gets going early, puts some points on the board. The defense responds in turn. Being at home helps a ton. This team wants to make a statement, wants to shut people up. Look for Ronnie Bell to have a big game and be targeted a lot just to shut some of the vitriol out. No, this is a big game for Michigan, and I think, I think they take care of business. I think it's a close game in the, in the fourth, and they put one last touchdown in to salt it away. I love it, man. So you got Ronnie Bell as offensive player of the game. Great pick, Ronnie by the Bell way. and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, you're coming on board with my Aiden Hutchinson is the best player on the defense thing. Huh? He's just a massive human. I have to respect greatness. Yeah. I mean, being massive isn't necessarily being great. It's a but. prerequisite for this Michigan defense. Look at Devin Bush. He may have been under six feet, but still massive. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, I like that prediction. Uh, you said 31-20 or 31-28? 31-20. an 11-point victory. I like that. I think it's going to be a little tighter. I mean, Notre Dame is still a very good team and they're battle tested. You know, they had to go to Georgia and they kept that one close. Um, tight game against USC their last time out. And USC's got a lot of talent. They're just not a very great football team. They're missing a lot of key players. Um, but this, I think, is going to be their toughest challenge to date. I mean, cause Georgia kind of got brought back down to earth a little bit. So going in at night, I'll give this as maybe their hardest test so far. And I think, uh, I think Michigan, they're actually going to be feeling more confident. Even after that loss, they showed that they can hang with the number six team in the nation. So I like them to come out. I like them to run the ball right down their throat. But like we said, the number 63 rush defense, they don't really scare me as far as their rush defense. They've lost a lot. 
I think we control the line of scrimmage. I think we get it done 28-24. I'm going to go with, it's been back and forth between Charbonnet and Haskins. Uh, I'm going to go with a Hassan Haskins evening right here. We go with Hassan Haskins going for almost a buck and maybe two touchdowns. Charbonnet getting 74 and a touch. Patterson with about 210 and maybe a rushing touchdown in there. Uh, And then on defense, uh, let me go with Khalid Hudson, my boy. I'm just a Khalid Hudson guy, and he's been improving week in and week out. Um, he'll be asked to cover Cole Komet um, at times. They're they're you know above average tight end, so he'll have his hands full. But uh, you know he's a weapon back there in the back end. So I like it, man. Both of us confidently picking victories here. Yeah, I'm nervous how confident we are, but I have another yeah. question. <laughs> What's the, what are the odds that Hassan Haskins' middle name starts with an H, so we can call him Triple H? Well, we better find out, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's like the only thing I care about now. Ever since you picked him for the game, like, can we call him Triple H? We need a new nickname guy. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, I mean, especially losing Mustafa Muhammad, who, uh, you know, we thought was going to be our next all-name guy. So, yeah, yeah, we got to figure something out there. I'll I'll, uh, I'll reach out to Hassan Haskins. Not about anything football-related, just his middle name. Okay, that's, that, that's fine. So, Hassan Haskins, can you come on here? We need to discuss your middle name. Thank you. <laughs> come on to the pod to discuss your middle name whatever it is he's like uh actually it's just edward okay we're gonna have to change that <laughs> we have to make amends now it's gonna be henry <laughs> henry <laughs> all right i love it though triple h that's good stuff um all right so a uh, couple of you know other pieces of news here we've got a transfer from jameric woods safety uh impacts us maybe going into next year where we've definitely lost some guys on the back end. Uh, we lost Miles Sims um, already, uh, Benjamin St. Just, another guy in the secondary. What do you think about that? I'm a little concerned. We still have JKP still back there, isn't he, for one more season next year? Yep. Yep, JKP's back there. Brad Hawkins got a deep safety class coming in. I think he kind of yeah. saw the writing on the wall that he was going to get swallowed up with the emergence of Dax Hill. So obviously you want to keep players like Jameric Woods that show a lot of promise and upside. He was always a big, heavy-hitting type player. You know, get exposed in coverage and get overplayed sometimes, but you always want to have that depth there. But, you know, best of luck to him. He'll probably end up at WVU like the other two. Is it Keith Washington and uh, Ruben Jones? Yeah, yeah, and Keith Washington's thriving down there. Yeah, he just got mad that Mike Zordich called him soft after the spring game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you, Keith. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll be fine there at safety. It's more corner that concerns me. That's where our depth's a little bit concerning. So we'll be able to absorb that. Yeah, wish him the best. And uh, the other news, both Brandon Johns and Franz Wagner are injured. Uh, four to six weeks for Wagner, and Brandon Johns could be maybe even longer. So talking a little basketball here, I know I switched gears on you there, but – yeah, it just kind of seemed like some some bad news stacking on top of itself there. Yeah, Juwan Howard needs to stop with the fight club practices. Like, let's ease into this, son. Come on, Juwan. Got to take it down. We need those guys. All right, let's uh, let's let's look around the Big Ten a little bit before we sign off tonight. The big news, obviously, was Illinois under the or behind the arm of the the magnificent, but probably high and uh, or on an ambient Brandon Peters. How pissed was ESPN's college game day? How many rooms did they already have booked? And they had to call an audible and say, oh, we're going to North Dakota, South Dakota. Let's do it. 
Yeah, like I think someone panicked on that one. Yeah, they were all ready to go to uh, to Columbus for that one. I still would go to Columbus rather than North Dakota, South Dakota. It's still a big game, but Wisconsin really taking some of the drama out of it. Michigan losing takes some of the drama out of Michigan Notre Dame. Still, those are both better venues. You you go to Ann Arbor, or Columbus. You have to, and also in the Big Ten making a run is PJ Fleck. The Fighting Flex from Minnesota are 7-0 for the first time since 1960. Yeah, we touched on them a little bit last week. I'm impressed, man. Do you think he gets some offers after this season? I mean, they're, the rest of their season is going to define what they really are, no doubt about it. But, I mean, if they win nine games, I mean, he's going to get some offers, don't you think? It depends who it's from because he's already had a middle-tier, you know, big conference kind of program. So it would have to be a yeah. – a big power five school for him to really move up. I think any other move would be seen as lateral. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is going to open up? I mean, USC is probably opening up, but we think urban Myers there, Florida state might open up. Yeah. Michigan might open up. We don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, there were rumors today and I guess we should probably touch on it, even though uh, there's always rumors, but these ones were coming from a little bit more reliable sources that Harbaugh's camp might be looking for a mutual parting of the ways for him to go back to the NFL so that it doesn't look like he was forced out of town because he left the program in quote, better shape than it was when he arrived. What do you think about that? One, he did. They were five and seven when he inherited and turned him into a perennial 10 win team. He's never going to be fired because no one's going to want to come to Michigan. if They fire their chose, their chosen golden child. And after 10 wins, exactly. And I think another realistic uh, landing spot for PJ Fleck before we move on from him is Michigan state down the road. Mark D'Antonio is catching a lot of heat and a lot of players are leaving the program right now. God, I want no part of that. Flex a good coach. Yeah, I don't want that either. It scares me. And just thinking about it, it's like, uh-oh, Mark D'Antonio might be out of town. That'd be crazy yeah, if like, want- two of the three, like the two big Michigan schools, both out of coach the same year. It's possible. Um, I mean, I'm I'm all for. I've changed my tune. Like, if Michigan beats Notre Dame, beats Michigan State, which I think we will, we'll beat Maryland, and then we, as long as we don't get blown out by Ohio State, I'm fine with running it back. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll play. You know, week by week and see how it goes. But definitely more open to it now than I was post Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, keep an eye on PJ Fleck. We'll have more on uh, you know the college coaching carousel as things start to open up. But. Uh, That's going to do it for us tonight on Out of the Blue, unless you got anything else, brother. Go Blue. Beat the Irish. Please win. We need this one. I know we're confident about it, but we need this one. The program needs it. We as human beings need it. I need to watch a good Michigan victory this season. What's our best victory so far? Iowa? Yeah, Iowa. I mean, Iowa's a ranked team. Yeah, I was a ranked team, but I honestly think I'd rather go back and rewatch the Penn State loss than the Iowa victory. That's very fair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Although it was a defensive masterpiece. But yeah, let's just get it done against the Irish. But that's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. Uh, Make sure that you follow Maize and Brew on Twitter, at Maize and Brew. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Follow Andy and I on Twitter, at Andy underscore Bailey1, at Oblue87. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcasts by searching Maze and Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.